There is a huge need for leadership now more than ever. This is a core focus for Empowered In My Skin, and we will leverage every opportunity to push out content that will help develop and cultivate the leadership spirit in as many people as possible. One billion is our number. In a four-part episode series, we will cover four key emerging leadership skills with John Collinson. John is a favorite on our podcast with well over 23 years of experience in leadership. He has a vault of information that he is generously opening up about to help you, the listener, strengthen your unique leadership toolkit. Every episode in this series is geared towards helping you, the seasoned, developing, or emerging leader, strengthen your potential, ability, and aspiration for higher levels of impact and influence. Okay, here we are, our last episode of this four-part series where we've covered technology intelligence, emotional intelligence, adapting to constant change, all emerging leadership skills that the leaders of today and tomorrow really truly need in their toolkit to be able to be successful and effective. And so the last one, the one that I think has, oh my gosh, so near and dear to my heart, and I think John's also been on an amazing journey throughout his 26th year career and and life life he taught me you know 51 years of experience you can't leave any of it out so we are going to cover workplace wellness today yes a very 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 important skill and so john just starting off with a really easy question with you you know how would you describe a healthy work environment Uh, to me the healthy work environment is one where uh you know all colleagues uh, can come to the office, feel safe in that environment to do their best work, uh, and but know that they're supported by you know uh, our employers to not just deliver the results of uh, you know whatever the business objective happens to be, but also you know be supported in ensuring that they are having. Uh, you know, uh, a healthy personal life in balance with that, right? And so, um, yeah, that's that's probably the easiest summary. It's mm-hmm. it's you know, give people the opportunity to do great work, but do it feeling supported that as individuals, they their other part of their life is also equally supported. Mm-hmm. And if you look on back on the years of your your career, have you seen an like obviously this? Is, sorry, I was going to ask if you've seen an evolution, but have you? had experiences working in non-healthy work environments versus healthy work environments, or have you always, you know, what's been your journey? That's a great question. Um, So I've spent 20 of the 26 years that I've been in the same organization. So, uh, you know, I would say the organization that we work for, I would say for the most part creates pretty healthy work environment. I'm, I'm I'm a proponent of how we do things, um, but I've worked in a few other organizations, and I would say maybe it's the way I've chosen organizations, but mm-hmm. I would say they've all been healthy from my lens. Mm-hmm. Right now, we have to remember everyone's going to come with a different lens. Mm-hmm. Right, I'm a uh, you know married father of three. But my wife, through her you know, decisions that we made together, it wasn't you know me forcing her to, you know, chose to be at home with our children for fifteen years. So, mm-hmm. the ability for me to support the demands of work in balance with the demands of home mm-hmm. uh, was easier because I knew my 
you know, my wife was at home, you know, taking care of our children and, and doing an awesome job at that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, not everyone's in that situation. Some people are uh, single parents or both parents are working or they have elders to take care of as mm-hmm. well. Uh, or you, you know, have other, um, aspects of your identity that require a different level of support. Right. And, uh, it's important that, uh, we don't paint this with one brush because my perspective is going to be different than anybody mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. Right. But, you know, I think what's important as we try to create an ecosystem that is healthy in an environment is that we create an ecosystem that allows all of those diverse perspectives to be supported and, and allow us to, to create that, that healthy environment. Love that. And what does workplace wellness mean to you? Uh, for me, workplace wellness is focused around, uh, some people like to call it psychological safety. Yeah. Um, That's a term. Yeah, uh, it's a term you hear a lot more in the agile community. Um, but around creating an environment where people can come to work, they can have an opinion, and they don't have to work in a model of, of fear, right, where where they may fear that, you know, their perspectives won't be recognized or heard or, or, or respected. Uh, you know, uh, that, that, you know, you don't have an environment where you have, you know, fist pounding, shouting type people, right. But rather that we can collaborate with respect. Um, but you know, it's all around creating an environment, you know, and, and it's not just about interactions like that. It's about wellness from the perspective of, you know, are we actually honoring, you know, the number of hours a day we expect people to work or the number of days a week we expect people to work or, uh, you know, workloads or, you know, there's a lot that goes into it, right? Mm-hmm. But it's all it's all around the aspects of the ecosystem that we create within, I'll call it the employment relationship, mm-hmm. right? Uh, explicitly within the employment relationship, right? So, um, you know, and, and how do we ensure that we've got the right um, elements that create an environment of wellness for, mm-hmm. for employees? Mm-hmm. So it's interesting because as we're curating these questions for, and we talked about this a bit in the B-roll for, for, for these sessions, the term work, work-life balance and workplace wellness came up. And we had some really good dialogue as a team. But, um, and you and I said they're related, but they're different. Would love you to you know, speak through that you know, um, and to our listeners, like how you define the two, where are they related, and how are they um, different? Yeah, so if you go off the definition that I just described around workplace wellness and that being, I'll call it the employer-controlled environment, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. In my mind, work-life balance, some people, I prefer the term work-life integration, Um, right? It's a different term. Some people may say they have slightly different meanings as well, but we won't debate that. Mm -hmm. Um, To me, that's the part that you own as the individual, Right. Right. So if you know if you know that you have an environment where work life wellness is enabled, mm-hmm. workspace wellness is enabled, mm-hmm. sorry. Um, that part's controlled by the employer. Mm-hmm. Right. But when it comes to work life integration or work life balance, you know, to me that becomes you as the employee or the worker, right? Making the right decisions and feeling that you have the right balance with the workplace wellness ecosystem to to achieve 
the work the work life integration that you seek as an individual. Everybody's expectation of what that looks like is a little different, mm-hmm. right? Some people, um, you know, for whatever their driver is, you know, their 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 work is a big part of their life, and they you know that's how they identify, and and that's important to them. For others, work is certainly something they do and they like their job, but they have family commitments or partner commitments or, you know, other things in their life that they may want to do, you know, community involvement, whatever, right? And they want to make sure that they've got the ability to to achieve the balance between the work commitments, right, mm-hmm. and the rest of their life, mm-hmm. right? And so the work-life balance or work-life integration aspect, in my mind, is the decisions you make as an individual to get those trade-offs, recognizing the constraints and limitations the workplace may put on you, but the workplace defines that within their contractual obligation to you and, you know, you define the rest. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, when people feel that they can't achieve work-life balance or Mm work-life integration, I've seen some examples where part of that is coming from the type of workplace wellness ecosystem that exists around them. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. But part of it comes from them deciding not to make the choices to prioritize. So they'll complain about it being a work-life balance Mm -hmm. or work-life integration. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they actually have the ability to achieve a better balance, but they're choosing not to because they feel like, no, I still have to give more to the work, even though the Mm -hmm. work would actually support them doing that. Right. And, and so the, in my mind, the work-life balance part has got to be owned by the individual. You can't delegate that to somebody else. I love that. I, um, just in my experience though, and I think about like, uh, and maybe the, you, this has been yours, but I think about like panel questions I've been asked more. I've been asked more panel questions about work-life balance than I've been asked about workplace wellness. And the question I'm typically asked is, you know, um, how does your organization support work-life balance? But essentially, it's if I'm understanding what you're saying, it's the the, the uh, another way to say or to have asked that question is, you know, what are, what like what's the what what system has your organization put in place for workplace wellness that then enables you to sort of figure out your your work-life integration. Correct. Right. And I think what we as what we as individuals in the work life integration is sometimes we then get into this tension, I'll call yes. it. Where despite the ecosystem having created you know, the, the workplace ecosystem creating the opportunity for you to achieve the balance, yeah. we as employees who just want to do a really good job and be recognized for it and have a tendency to not say no because (laughs) you feel like, well, I I have to do that. My employer is asking me to do it, but yeah, I'm going to use my example, right? I left consulting to come back to my current employer about 15 years ago. Right. And I'm just going to give you this. This is to me a very easy example of the difference, right? When I was in consulting, I traveled Monday to Friday on a plane, go to the client in that environment the expectation of the organization and of all clients was you were on site in their office Monday to Friday, Monday to Thursday, travel was not optional. The client said you were there, you were there. Mm -hmm. Done. Right. I then moved back to the, to, to where I work today. Right. 
and I, as you know, I still travel significantly in that role and the roles I've had over the last 15 years, right? Never during that 15 years have I felt obligated that I have to be there on a specific day, Monday to Friday. I've always had the ability to say, I know that we'd like to go next week, but I can't go next week. I have a personal engagement that requires me to be in Toronto, mm -hmm. right? And the difference in those two scenarios is my current employer's ecosystem allows for me to have the influence over the timing within reason. I can't say, got to wait six months, mm -hmm. right? But if I could shift it by a day to make something fit, that's mm -hmm. acceptable, mm -hmm. right? And the ecosystem supports that, mm -hmm. right? Whereas in the consulting ecosystem, it's the expectation of that ecosystem that, you know, they're paying a lot of money for that, that service and for the, you know, the quality of the resources that are part of that organization. Mm -hmm. Not saying we don't have good quality resources in ours, but, you know, you're there. That's the expectation. Yeah. And so the dynamic in those two contexts is very different, mm -hmm. right? But I think it's a great example that makes it, you can see two different organizations. I was in both of them. Mm -hmm. I didn't, the, the, the workplace wellness environment didn't allow me to say no in yeah. the consulting environment. Yeah. And and people say, well, you left the consulting to travel less. I said, mm -hmm. no, I left the consulting to have more, more ability to control my own situation. Yeah. So therefore I could get better balance with my personal life. And, and, you know, and that was what led to a lot of that was my wife and I having the right conversations around, you know, the kids are getting older. It would be great if you mm -hmm. could be here to help them go to sports or whatever, or coach or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so we agreed that that was the right decision for our family at that mm -hmm. point in time. And I found a new employer, right? Yeah. And that new employer had a different workplace, workplace wellness mm -hmm. construct that made it feel comfortable for me to be able to make those trade-offs when I need to. So that's interesting. And and if it's okay, I'd like to just kind of pursue that. So um, because we work with, obviously, so John and I are colleagues. For those of you that might be tuning in into our first episode, we are colleagues working for the same organization. And there are some people in our organization that do struggle with work-life integration or harmony or balance, whatever you want to call it. So we all work within the same organization that has the same, you know, working under the same ecosystem. What gave you the courage or how did you like, how did you know that you can sort of test the ecosystem? I don't know how else to put it, but it's like, you know, you know, you tested it and it actually, it worked, right? Like you, you said no, <laughs> you know, maybe it's a couple of times, like, um, or you didn't say no, you just said not this week, you know, what, uh, what gave you the courage or how did you just know that you could do it? Or did you test it over time? I'm using the word test because sometimes maybe it is taking, taking little tests to see how, you know, how supportive the environment will be. So I'm a big believer in the, in the view that you never get anything you don't ask for. Yes. Yeah. Right? So if you don't ask, the answer is automatically no. Mm. Right? Because you're assuming the answer. Mm -hmm. Right? But if you ask, and you, maybe it's not going to be, you know, yes this time. Right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, it, you, you start to set the stage for people understanding what you're trying to balance. Right? Mm -hmm. Or what your expectations are. Or, you know, whatever. And it, it, I find whenever you have the opportunity to create that, that opportunity for dialogue, mm -hmm. You know, at, at least in our environment, that dialogue then opens up, you know, an evolution of the relationship. Mm -hmm. And and sure, there's been times when I've gotten on a plane when I didn't want to, mm -hmm. still at our organization. Mm -hmm. But there but was a trade-off. They're very few and far between, yeah. and they're for valid business reasons. And 
I'm still a leader in this organization. And sometimes I have to recognize, yep, this is one of those times where the business Mm -hmm. context needs to win over the family context. Mm -hmm. Right. But, you know, I've also seen, and and I I don't want my example to be the pure example. I know I'm a senior leader in the organization. I know that I probably have a little more autonomy than others in the organization and others that are probably listening to this podcast in other organizations, but it doesn't mean you shouldn't feel like you can't ask and open the dialogue. Right. All right. And, and, you know, yeah, the level of empowerment might be different, but, you know, that's, that's where the relationships come from. And the, you know, the trade-off you get, you know, someone early in my career, I can't remember who it was, made reference to the concept of the employee equity wealth. Mm. There's going to be times, particularly in technology where I work, right, um, where, you know, if you're in that on-call team yeah, yeah. or app support team, there's going to be times when, you know what, someone bumped in the night, we're going to need you to work tonight because we got to get the system fixed, Right. But that gets traded off with, okay, we got to give that equity back to the employee to make up, okay, they worked hard last night, and, you know, let's give them Friday afternoon off to get their their, their body recharged, right? Mm-hmm. That's part of that whole workplace wellness ecosystem, right? Mm-hmm. If, if the expectation is you work 9 to 5 Monday to Friday all day and you're getting called mm-hmm. in at 2 in the morning and there's no balance, mm-hmm. right, to, to offset that, mm-hmm. or you're traveling all the time and there's no, you know, so – you got to understand the fluidity of the situation, mm-hmm. but it, it all goes back to, in my mind, you never get anything you, you don't ask, ask for. for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right. Cause, cause you're going to assume the answer yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And somebody might surprise you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think what I've tried to do is that as a leader with my teams, cause I do recognize that, and I, I'm going to use the word courage. Some, some, you know, some people are not as courageous to sort of set their non-negotiables or ask and this, any other. So it's incumbent on me to make sure that, and especially in new relationships, you know, when I'm forming a new team, that I let them know, right? Like, yeah. you know, let's have that, like your life is important, your family is important, your, you, your overall wellness is important. And that includes, you know, sort of finding that harmony between work and personal life and, um, and, I'm always open for anything that you need to ask for, right? Like there's always a trade-off, right? At the end of the day. Um, So I think as a leader, we can also make sure that we have properly communicated a brave and safe space for, you know, those that are under our care to, to feel that they can come in and ask, you know? Yep. Mm -hmm. I agree. Okay. I, um, I, I, I think workplace is so much, so important. And so in the last two and a half years, John, how has, you know, sort of your overall sort of wellness and, you know, work life integration, how has that changed or evolved? And as we are talking about return to office, what are you seeing that's a little bit different for yourself now than maybe existed, you know, two and a half years ago? I think mindset has shifted. My personal mindset has shifted, and you know, I think and corporate mindsets are shifting as we as we have this conversation. Um, I used the pandemic to my advantage, and you know, as we talked about in a previous podcast, you know, you know, focused on how do I improve my own personal well being. Um, you know, so as we've come out of the pandemic and we're returning to you know hybrid work models, et cetera. Um, you know, I've still been trying to evaluate how do I get to whatever the new normal is because I haven't quite figured out what it is yet. I'm still trial and erroring it my way through it, but you know, trying to trying to continue to benefit from 
I'll call it the wellness discovery of my own personal journey over the pandemic in a now hybrid model where I am spending time commuting and away from the home, you know, a couple of nights a week, et cetera. And, um, and, and trying to get that. And I think everyone's going through that. Right. Um, but I like get back to what we talked about in the episode. So hopefully people will listen to the previous episode, um, you know, around change and, you know, remote working versus hybrid working. We've all got to link that together, right? Getting back to an environment where the personal dynamics are in place is part of the wellness journey in my mind, right? Because having those external relationships in your workplace, in my mind, are part of, uh, you know, your extended community and, frankly, it can be your support community for your personal life, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, my wife and I are best friends and you know, we've been married a long time and, you know, I would say that's the best personal relationship I have. But most, you know, one of the things through the pandemic for me from a wellness perspective is most of my relationships outside of my family circle, even at the personal level, are coworkers. Mm. All right. I don't, I have a few friends going around that are not in the coworker community. Right. But the bulk of my community that I know and interact every day at a personal level, not just a professional level. Are you know our coworkers yeah. right? And a lot of people are in that situation where the biggest part of their community is um, is coworkers, and um, and so you know getting to that balance from a mental health perspective, of being able to reestablish those relationships through more than a video screen, mm-hmm. right? To me, to me is important. Continuing to get the right balance of you know walking time and eating the right foods and all of that type of stuff is important. And, you know, we're going to have to find that path from a workplace wellness perspective. And I think a lot of employers and organizations like ours are still trying to figure that out too, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. but the balance is, uh, I'll call it a delicate type of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't think, and, and again, this is, you know, go back to the introductory comments. There's no one size fits all answer to this, yeah. right? Yeah. It's, it's, everyone has to look at their own situation yeah. You know, the, the three rules I generally follow, um, I have a LinkedIn article I wrote about this many years ago, is you got to take care of yourself first, your family second, your job comes third. And if you do those in that order, mm-hmm. you know, you can't take care of your family if you haven't taken care of yourself. That's for sure. Right? And if, if your family's not taken care of, you're going to be distracted by that obligation and commitment mm-hmm. that is not going to make you the best you possible to go do your work. Right. So if you prioritize things in that order, as you set up your, you know, your, your work and family balance and, and create a, you know, find an, an, an employer that has the right workplace wellness ecosystem. Right. You know, I think that, that, that's how you kind of get to the whole, well, the best well-roundedness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if that, if there's tension in that, then you may have to look at what has to change. change. I like this. And I think there's going to be so many people that are finding this is so insightful and I truly like as I'm listening to you I can I can you know I could just imagine as a listener if that's not something that's really applicable in their lives how much this is touching them so you know I thank you for sharing those the especially those last three important insights I think that that's really key you um you shared a post like you went uh, you were recently on vacation and uh and completely disconnected <laughs> and you shared a post on your return that was quite insightful about how others feel about the ability to fully disconnect our work. I believe it was somebody who had commented that 
being away from the office and being fully disconnected can make you expendable. And you see things differently. Love, uh, love you to share what your thoughts are. Yeah, I, I absolutely think, think it's, you know, see things differently. I think, um, um, I, I had seen a post myself where somebody had commented that they were going away and that someone had, you know, indicated to them that if you can go away for that long, you must be expendable. And, and, you know, I've taken many vacations over my career where I've spent time away and, uh, it's an important part of recharging the batteries, right? It's a, you know, about that, you know, it goes right back to the concept of work and life balance or integration is you, we all work hard, but you got to stop sometimes and just, disconnect and then take the break and you know in my case we went up to northern canada you know uh, some of it was a self-imposed some of it was a technically imposed (laughs) shutdown uh there's not a lot of cell phone towers up there um so uh you know but it was great and you know and, and i've done that a number of times over my career and i think it's important but you know i don't agree with the premise that you have to be always on right um you know especially as uh, you know, if we as leaders are doing the right thing, we can, we should be creating teams that have the redundancy in the makeup of the team to allow each member of the team to be able to take their time off. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that is part of our job as leaders Mm -hmm. to, to, to ensure we can create that. Like, and if we can't, we're not really enabling the workplace Mm -hmm. wellness ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Because uh, you know, if an employee feels like that they must be connected all the time, um, you know, that's, that's not an environment that's healthy, frankly, mm-hmm. and they're not going to do their best work because they're going to get fatigued. They're not going to get that rest. They're not going to get new insights and ideas because they had time to sit back and reflect and refresh. Right. And so to me, the reason I made that post was I wanted to make sure that there was a counterpoint to the post that I'd seen previously mm-hmm. that, you know, reinforced the importance and reinforced it from uh, you know, we have a lot of senior leaders that have a hard time taking that time, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, and, and, you know, we as leaders, you know, the team needs to see us lead from the front, mm-hmm. right? If we don't take our downtime, they model the behavior that they see from the people they aspire to be, mm-hmm. right? And so if you as a leader are always working, you know, you've got four weeks of holidays every year and, you know, you're still responding to all your emails during those four weeks, um, you know, that's not modeling in my opinion, anyways, the behavior that we need to encourage for people to actually take the opportunity to recharge their batteries and get the rest and, you know, focus on some other, you know, personal things that are important. So what's your advice to an employee that might have a situation where they are trying to take time off, but their employer, you know, I hear it sometimes, you know, you know, I, I had no choice. They were reaching out to me while I was on vacation. So I ended up, you know, um, working, um, what are your thoughts around that, and how can we maybe manage that it, better? I know I'm going to oversimplify it, and every employee relationship is different, right? Yeah. But it goes back to the comment we made earlier. You got to speak up and make your make people aware, right? Okay. And so, um, you know, my direct managers know what my expectations are, and I don't disconnect for every day of vacation I take every you know all, all year, right? But I disconnect for some of them. And what I generally do when I go and plan my holidays for the course of the year is, A, I publish a list, usually at least a year in advance, to say this is my plan for holidays in the next year, right? And I explicitly usually call it a couple of weeks in there where I say I'm explicitly going offline in this time, 
I, I will not be reachable. I'm going to be in a foreign country or I'm going to be, you know, somewhere else. Right. And just set the expectation. But to me, it's a tell. It's not an ask. It's your vacation. You as an employee are entitled to take mm-hmm. it. That's true. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think, uh, you know, we have to be comfortable, you know, uh, communicating our expectations, it's a, you know, employment is a bi-directional relationship. Mm-hmm. I don't think we all realize that, right? Mm-hmm. When you go to interview with an organization, you're interviewing, they're interviewing you to see if you're fit for the role, but mm-hmm. you're actually interviewing them too to make sure, am I a fit for this organization and its culture and how they expect? And if that's not the right fit, mm-hmm. you may want to think about whether you're taking the right job. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And especially and, when and you I, haven't taken the job yet. <laughs> Yeah, right. right? Yeah. And then when you're there, that bi-directional communication should still exist, right? And and if it and 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 you know, you have to feel comfortable having that. It's not a you know, it, it it's not a situation where where I would hope that people in organizations that are achieving workplace wellness are having to worry about having that yeah. conversation. Yeah. You, um, you, you slightly t- you use the words, but I want to go into a little, just a little bit more as we start to wrap up this conversation, but Ontario implemented. And so for those listening, um, I know I have some global listeners, but we are, uh, John and I are, are in Ontario. Um, so Ontario implemented a right to disconnect policy for organizations having 25 employees or more. How do you think, John, um, this move plays into organizations creating a healthy work environment? I think for those that have already been doing it, it's probably not going to be a material change, okay. right? It, it's it's really going to be, uh, you know, harvesting the best practices of those organizations for the organizations that haven't been achieving that objective, mm-hmm. right? And potentially, you know, helping the employee feel a little more comfortable in the ask, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. If they know there's a policy now that's supported by government versus just having an environment where that ecosystem was healthy, mm-hmm. Right. Uh, those people that were a little shy about saying, I need to disconnect mm-hmm. may feel more comfortable bringing that conversation to light True. Right? because they now feel like they have the support of yeah. something above and beyond their personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Right. And so to me, to me, that's probably the greater benefit is, you know, like many of the employment standards policies in Ontario and, mm-hmm. and, you know, in most of the Western world, um, you know, a lot of, you know, they're followed by employers by nature anyways in most mm-hmm. cases, not always, but in most cases. But they're also published, which makes sure the employee knows what they're what they're eligible to receive and what the expectations are and that, you know, should something be disconnected in, in that relationship, you know, someone's gonna support them. Right. Yeah. And you know, I think this is another example as um as as the world has evolved and technology has connected us, you know, a lot you know, basically in full real time, 24 seven. Now there has to be a way for people to say, hold on, uh, I need a break. I need to stop. I need to not have to respond to my phone at two o'clock in the morning. Right. Um, you know, doesn't mean there aren't going to be times, you know, I'm a senior leader, you're a senior leader. You know, my phone does ring off hours from time to time because, you know, it is part of being a leader of this organization. And when that happens, we react and we address it, but it, if it's, it's not constant, the exception, not the norm, yeah. that's manageable and sustainable. If it's, you know, 
people feeling like they're always on their phone and I got a team's message at two o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday and I have to instantly respond to that message. Yeah. That's a different problem. It's not, that's unhealthy. Right. Yeah. Now I have a signature thing on my, I do have a tendency, not all the time, but sometimes to by personal choice. This is the whole work and life integration. I'm going to trade off some time on Sunday for me to be able to do something else another day. I will send a message or send emails or do whatever in that window but I actually have a message in my signature of my email that says, please do not feel obligated to respond to this email if my work time doesn't align with your work time, mm. right? Mm. So make sure people are clear that I'm not expecting email to be an instant message. I'm mm. expecting, you know, I'm going to send the note. You'll get back to me when it's time, yeah. right? Right. That's part of how I try to make mm-hmm. people understand that I'm, I, I, you know, yep, I'm, I'm achieving my balance my way you may be achieving your balance a different way. They don't have to fully intersect, mm-hmm. right? As long as, you know, sometimes you get back to me with the answer, right? Yeah. It's just to create that safety that, you know, be, I'm trying to be uh, explicit to say, mm-hmm. you don't have to reply to this on Saturday, even though I sent it on Saturday. Yeah. And I, I respect iOS. Well, I'm an Apple user. I respect their most recent, um, I, I guess, since iOS, since the last couple of upgrades, um, versions, um, they've been putting a little bit more in terms of being able to create schedule, like schedules. So do not disturb moments. And, and even now they've now implemented into their integrated email, the ability to delay the sending of messages. So I think it's all around aligned to that, but, but I still have to ask that question because we moved, well, a lot of organizations have moved to BYOD. So, you know, unlike your, your laptop, which you typically have your own personal and then you have a work laptop, you can definitely, you know, close off the lid of your work laptop. You know, our smart devices now make us, unfortunately, way more connected and, um, and you know, everything on one device. So what are some tactics that you have employed where, yeah, you're disconnecting from work, but it is on this, but your work is on the same device as your personal, you know, uh, what are some things that you do to, uh, to, to you just, you turn it off? <laughs> It's on. Okay. Um, for for me, it's it's very simple, and I've been doing it for years. Okay. Um, I've had BYOD, you know, one phone for both work and and personal life for I don't know six seven years now. Um, but my phone only makes noise in one situation. When somebody calls you, you got to call my phone number. Yeah. <laughs> right. If you text me, even text messages don't make noise. Yeah, yeah. Emails, like I don't even get a counter on the icon, right? I have all those notifications turned off, right? So, so when I see the Outlook icon on my on my phone, yeah, it, it's just Outlook. It doesn't say there's 300 emails oh. I haven't. Oh, oh, you can right? turn that off. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, same with Teams, right? So, to me, as much as some people prefer those things to be instant. Yeah. For me, all those notifications are turned off. If you want to call me, if you need me at two o'clock on Sunday in the morning, call my cell phone. Mm-hmm. It will ring. But if you send me a text message it or may, send yeah. me an email yeah. saying something's not right, uh, I'm not going to answer it. Yeah. I'll answer it when I go back to check my emails at whatever point in time I'm ready for that task. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's where. We, we let the technology control us as opposed to us learning how to effectively use the technology to manage our life. Yes. Yeah. Right? I like that. And so 
um, you know, all, you know, there's a whole notification section. Every app in this, you know, in this case on the Apple device, but I'm sure Android has the same type of thing, right? I can go in for every app and decide, is it going to show me how many items there are? Is it going to make any noise? Is it going to put a notification on my screen or not? Is it, um, uh, is it going to vibrate? Like mm-hmm. all those settings are in there, yeah. right? Yeah. And for most apps, I have them turned off completely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for for things like work emails, I do have the notification come up on the mm-hmm. screen, but it doesn't vibrate. It doesn't make any noise. It doesn't show me the little yeah. number that says you have 1,000 unread emails, uh, which for me is not unusual. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, it's just because because we're in this interruption society, right? Mm-hmm. And and. It's, we, we are not our most efficient selves if we're continuously working on an interrupt-driven model, yeah. right? We yeah. have to plan, and, and whenever we lose focus on a task, it takes us a significant amount of time to get focused back on that task to finish it, yeah. right? So it becomes less efficient to get work done, yeah. right? So, um, you know, I block certain parts of my day to go check my emails mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, I, even on my laptop, Teams messages don't pop in the corner of my mm-hmm. laptop. I have to. I, on my laptop, I see the icon that says you have a new message, mm-hmm. and I have to go look in Teams to see it because mm-hmm. it's the same thing. You're you're in a video. You know, if I was in a video conference with you and someone teams me, you know that message might show up in the corner screen, and now I'm focused on reading it yeah. instead of telling you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then that takes away from the quality of the interaction between you and me at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I um I I love it. John is really saying that the that we actually have a lot of control over how much distractions we allow into our lives. And, and so there are, there's opportunities for all mm-hmm. of us to make it so that we can remain focused where we need to remain focused. We, and you think back to, to that panel that you and I were, we had with the different generations yes. of communications, yeah, whatever <laughs> year ago or so. Yeah. Right. And I was like, turn it all off. And somebody <laughs> else was, I need everything to be instant. Yeah. yeah I remember that. Right. And I'm like, yeah, that would be too tired. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You know, even when my children text me, if they text me three times, I call them. Yes. Because yes. it's more efficient for me to talk to you than it is to text you. Yes, I remember right? that conversation. So, you know, everyone's different. Near, but for me, I don't need the distraction. Yeah. But for me, part of how I balance is using the tech properly to ensure that I'm not feeling obligated to reply in the moment yeah. because my phone told me I had to. Yeah. And John and I both successfully are employing a lot of the same things. The one thing I've learned from you that I'm going to go and check is I do have my counter on, but, um, but I actually would love to see it off because sometimes just seeing that big number makes me feel like, damn, I got a lot of stuff to catch up on. Um, but other than that, everything else, if you want me, you have to, you have to call me. And I also do schedule time to look at my text message. And then I push, I push everything out into folders. So they're not even like, even when I open up my, uh, my home screen. I just, I don't see all those icons. They're all in folders, right? So, yeah. You want to turn off the number. It's not called number. It's called badges. Badges. Okay. Okay. Turn I'll off check. the badges on the thing that's making the number, and you won't see the number. Okay. Okay. I'll turn off the badges. So, John, we're at an, the end of like the series. I love it. Um, you know, it's not the end ever, but it's the end of this four part series on emerging leadership skills, where we covered really four great great, great leadership skills that everyone needs in their toolkit. But, you know, to wrap up this one on workplace wellness, as always, call to action. 
I think call to action in two parts, uh, you know, to the employers and the senior leaders in those employer organizations, you know, make sure you're doing your part to create workplace wellness ecosystems that allow your, your employees and, and your colleagues to, you know, to be successful in, in their work mm-hmm. uh, and, and, the, and the balance of their work. And then for the individual, you know, you need to own your part, the work and life balance part. And, and, you know, don't be afraid to ask for what you need, right? And that doesn't mean you're always going to get a yes, right? But I can guarantee you if you don't ask, you're going to always get a no because you're going to assume the answer is no. If you don't right? ask, you're always going to get a no. <laughs> so, you know, you know we, we, we all have to take, you know, do our part. Um, and, uh, but it is achievable, you know, in, you know, certainly in the organizations I've been exposed to, it's definitely achievable. Uh, and, you know, I think the more that, you know, we can lead in those organizations, the more the expectation will be set by attracting great talent. And uh, because the, the peer organizations aren't doing that, uh, that talent's going to want to come to where we are. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. And listeners, I know you're thriving and feeling fully empowered. Um, these have been this was actually a great episode. And if you haven't listened to all the other three episodes that John has unleashed his vault of knowledge and leadership skills. And if you want us back by popular demand with another set of uh, leadership skills, let us know and we'll be back to serve. So thank you, John. Thank you everyone for listening in. This is sadly where I have to say we're out. Thanks. (laughs) Bye. So there you have it. I hope you are thriving and feeling empowered and thoroughly enjoyed this episode. And remember, whatever platform you're listening to this on, please subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast with someone else that you think can benefit from the tips that were delivered. As Tom Bilyeu says, when we help others think in a way that is empowering, that is the lead domino to create real change in this world. It's been awesome sharing energy with you. It's your girl, And I'm out.